the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Well, here we go. It is 3.07 on the Central Coast on this Thursday, December 21st, 2023. I'm Dave Congleton, welcoming you to another edition of Hometown Radio. Hope you're well. Thanks for hanging out with us. Craig and I are with you all the way until 7 o'clock on this broadcast today. Susan Hoffman at 4.05 makes her monthly visit where we'll uh, talk about books and particularly now with uh, Christmas approaching, last minute gift suggestions for holiday gift giving. Uh, we shall talk. Attorneys Mike Nolan and Stu Jenkins team up during the 5 o'clock hour. So what exactly does the Colorado Supreme Court decision mean? Uh, they rule that Donald Trump isn't eligible for the state primary ballot. Is that going to hold? What happens next? We'll sort through it. Steve Reebuck at 6.05 has written a new book about the history of abalone diving here in uh, California. It is a Dave Congleton show. Always your hometown radio talk show. First up, I'm sure by now you know the news, but in case you've missed it, uh, referring to the Los Angeles Times, California energy officials have voted to extend the operation of the Diablo Canyon power plant through 2030, extending the lifespan of the state's last nuclear plant for an additional five years. Here to dissect that, explain it, react to it, and answer any questions you might have, we welcome back to the broadcast Dr. Gene Nelson from Californians for Green Nuclear Power. Dr. Nelson, how are you? Very good, Dave. Very glad to be here on the show. Uh, things have come a long way from when I first appeared uh, on the show back in 2014. We were all saying, and I include me in the we, I like that, uh, that the train had left the station. Uh, but uh, thanks to the work of Dr. Nelson and many others, the train has been brought back to the station. Absolutely, yes. Uh, this plant is really such an important part of reliable uh, power for California. Um, and uh, basically, uh, what's really surprising here is that California decision makers listen to the facts rather than to the propaganda. With all due respect, is it that or is it that Gavin Newsom wants to be president? Well, if he wants to be president, he's got to keep the lights on in California, and he's also got to avoid the fate that uh, uh, Gray Davis uh, did, uh, experienced in 2003, uh, when uh, Gray Davis failed to keep the lights on uh, during the uh, Enron crisis. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, back up a little bit. Let's talk about the vote. California Public Utilities Commission approved the proposal. What happened, doctor? All right, so I listened through the whole thing. Uh, it started at 11 in the morning, and it dragged on till I think, about 3.32 in the afternoon. And they very, I believe, very intentionally held the vote on Diablo Canyon to the very last item, after they covered everything, including you know all kinds of other minutiae. Um, but uh, 
they came to the, first of all uh, Commissioner Shroma for some reason is uh, has been absent for for a while. I noticed that there was one absence. Yes, and she's apparently been absent for a while. Uh, her staffers are still attending meetings, uh, but she is she is not there. So. And how abstained? Well, that's still uh, there's still a quorum when you have four commissioners. Uh, because a majority of commissioners have to approve uh, any uh, action by the commission, and you can still get three uh, three votes uh, when you have uh, uh, four commissioners present. Yeah, but why did she abstain? Do you know? No, no, no wait, wait. The person that abstained is um, Commissioner Darcy Hauk. Darcy Hauk. Yeah. Okay, and they made some last minute, really minute changes to the um, to this to, to what they approved. And from what I can tell, Darcy uh, was still puzzled, even though there there was explanation given during uh, during the hearing. Um, and so her result, uh, or, or what happened then, was she said, "Okay, I'm going to abstain from this vote." Uh, so the vote then the other three remaining commissioners all voted for it. So um, technically, a narrow majority of commissioners uh, supported. Uh, this particular uh, agenda item. Which but a win is a win. But a win's a win. But <laughs> but uh, this was originally scheduled for uh, November the November thirtieth meeting, um, and at the last minute it was put on what's called the hold list, and uh, it got booted down the road for t- for this uh, the the meeting that took place on the fourteenth, which uh, was the last possible opportunity for the PUC to comply with a key provision in SB 846, which said you've got to vote yay or nay by the end of 2023 on keeping the plant, uh, extending its operations. All right, so, Doctor, for the layperson, such as myself, what exactly does the vote by the California Public Utilities Commission mean? Okay, so the original plan, which uh, I I hold, uh, CGNP holds, to be very improper... Uh, was to shut the plant down at the end of 2025. Um, And there were a wide variety of machinations taking place behind the scenes, and we learned some of those machinations. Uh, But the big one was that um, the uh, State Lands Commission, whose uh, constitutional charter is to assure a fair rate of return for any private use of California assets held in public trust. Well, it turns out that the power plant uh, has an intake and an outfall that are right along the coast there, and that is public land, public property. And so the uh, so PG&E has leased that uh, the right to uh, have an intake and outfall structure, and. Uh, They'd been regularly paying their bills, um, and that's really all the State Lands Commission is supposed to be looking into is, do you pay your bills? Yeah, but I guess the point I'm trying to get to is that this isn't over. Oh, no. This is going to continue to be fought, and and so we need to kind of step back for a moment and look at why it isn't over. Okay. Uh, And that is um, the plant produces... Uh, on average, uh, 18 billion kilowatt hours of power every year. Um, and it doesn't w- does that amazing task without burning any fossil fuels. Well, fossil fuel me- uh, 
merchants. Uh, and in, in this category, I include Sempra, which is North America's largest wholesaler of natural gas, don't like nuclear power for that reason. If you can shut down a nuclear power plant, you can increase the sale of your product. And that's been the story worldwide about nuclear power. Anytime you shut down a nuclear plant, you crank up the corresponding amount of fossil um, to, uh, to, to make up for that reliable 24-7 power that's vital to a grid. So they're a factor, but also I assume the environmental community is going to continue to fight you in court. Well, the, there is a – I'm going to put quotes around the environmental community. We have such organizations as Friends of the Earth. Sounds really great, right? Sounds like a great name for an organization. Its express purpose on being founded – was to prevent Diablo Canyon power plant from being built, and if it was being, if it was successfully built, to continue to fight it in court. And that's what they've done from day one. Where'd they get their first founding dollars? Well, they got them from the then president of Atlantic Richfield Company. Gee, do you think there might be a connection? Hmm. But they're still going to fight you. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Okay. And, and they still have uh, a peculiar case uh, that's uh, being heard in the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, uh, where the U.S. NRC has granted um, a uh, essentially a kind of a safe harbor provision when a nuclear power plant uh, has unusual circumstances where it can't uh, get its application completed um, within as long as they submit their license renewal application within five years of when it's scheduled to shut down, they have an automatic uh, extension of their existing license until it's adjudicated. Um, and what happened in the case of Diablo Canyon was, well, uh, uh, again, getting back to the, the machinations, uh, Peachini was forced to abandon its almost completed license renewal application before the NRC as a result of state actions. All right, we're in conversation with Dr. Gene Nelson from Californians for Green Nuclear Power, uh, reacting to the recent vote by the California Public Utilities Commission to extend the uh, operations of Diablo Canyon through 2030. Uh, more to come, including your phone calls. We're live, we're local. This is Hometown Radio. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Text coming in for Dr. Gene Nelson. I understand PG&E has been deferring needed maintenance to the plant, uh, planning on shutting it down in 2025. Has any money been allocated for the labor needed to complete all the needed maintenance? Okay, so uh, again, there's mistruth in the statement uh, of that text. Uh, PG&E has been keeping the plant running. Um, their goal back when this whole thing was announced was that they were going to keep the plant running in excellent status even right up to the very last day in 2025 the plant was running. So that meant they could not defer needed maintenance. You have to keep a whole bunch of stuff going uh, just to keep the plant operating safely, and that's what they've been doing. So they only needed a slightly extended 
uh, refueling outage that, that was uh, it started on October the first, and I think it it ended up in the middle of November um, to to make sure that they had everything uh, taken care of. So. Uh, again, there is no uh, big backlog of uh, of things that need to be done, um, uh, except in the mind of opponents of uh, nuclear power. All right, we were talking about the vote with the California Public Utilities Commission, but where is the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, in all this? Uh, well, I would like to consider them to be the 800-pound gorilla in the room. All right. Um, their job is to keep all of U.S. nuclear power plants operating safely uh, and making sure the public isn't harmed. Um, And they really have an impressive track record. Um, uh, Right now, uh, commercial nuclear power plants have been running, I think, for about 67 years uh, in California, in the United States, sorry, in the United States. And uh, during that time, there have been zero deaths from ionizing radiation at nuclear power plants. That is an incredible safety record, but it requires them to be really strict. And so as a result, anyway, they really, they set the gold standard. uh, And when you look at high consequence industries, and among those, I put such things as uh, um, uh, uh, aviation, commercial aviation. Uh, They're really up near the top in terms of just helping the privately owned enterprises actually run a safe operation. Quoting from the LA Times article, the State Utilities Commission acknowledged that the costs associated with the plan to extend to 2030 were still unknown, but were expected to exceed $6 billion. Is PG&E going to hike up my rates, doctor? Uh, nope. It would actually be the opposite. I remember, it, we're, re- we're recording you. Right, right, right. But but it's very simple. Um, the And I do appreciate that you record me. It's great to be able to listen to these podcasts uh, after the fact. Um, so let's look at that $6 billion figure. It was the one that was actually on the CPUC agenda for item number 49 that was voted on uh, December the 14th. So we say, all right, $6 billion. Wow, that's a lot of money. But what are you getting for that? And the answer is um, a lot of reliable power. The plant typically produces about 18 billion kilowatt hours of power a year. And so you look at the term from 2023 to 2030, um, and you multiply that number of years by the 18, you get 117 billion kilowatt hours. You then take that $6 billion, you divide it by that 117 billion kilowatt hours, and you figure out that that power costs, uh, they're projecting 5.5 cents a kilowatt hour. Uh, Now, when you look at your power bill, I know uh, uh, from people that uh, get them directly, um, it's north of 30 cents a kilowatt hour right now in California, uh, where we typically have the highest power rates of uh, any of the states, uh, what's called the continental U.S., Typically, uh, the second part of the sentence, according to the state energy commissioners, the plant is not expected to operate beyond 2030. Um, so look ahead seven years. Okay, and I think we'll be back. We'll be back to the PUC, and it's going to be the combination of that reliable 24/7 power. In other words, when you look at any other kind of power, 
um, its percentage on time is nowhere near what a nuclear power plant is. We're, we're on, uh, Diablo Canyon's on about uh, north of 90% uh, of the time in a typical year. Um, and no, no other kind of power has that reliable, reliability record. And you need that reliable power to keep the power running uh, for things like radio stations, for example. Um, so uh, you, need, you need reliable power. You need economical reliable power. And as a bonus, it just happens to not produce any air or water pollution. But isn't the battle that's been taking place these last few years simply going to repeat itself in 2028 as we get clocked down oh, towards yeah. 2030? Oh, yeah. That's our expectation. Yeah. Is, is it, this is just, uh, as some say, I can, think I can say this on the air, SSDD, and okay. I think you know what that means. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, now I'm at the two-minute mark, but we won't need Diablo Canyon because we'll have the wind power by then. Oh, well, last time, ask any sailor if they've heard of the term becalmed before. Becalmed. Becalmed. B-E-C-A-L-M-E-D. There you are in your wind-powered vessel, and the wind stops. That's the problem with wind is it's, uh, it's, it has unpredictable uh, stoppages. And uh, in particular, when we have those big high-pressure areas over Nevada, uh, the wind tends to slow way, way down in California, wherever you are, even off the coast. Um, and that's when we need the power the most. That's it, a real bad combo. Is there any place in the country, I, I know they're on land, but in the water that has these wind platforms? They've just started putting them in, in uh, off the uh, Atlantic coast. And curiously, there's been a massive number of of large marine mammals like whales dying. And, and there's a simple reason for that. You've got to uh, put up, right now, you're just building all these things and you're getting whale strikes. Um, and it's just, you know, they actually get permission to kill these extremely endangered animals. To me, that is an unacceptable cost for an unreliable power source. We have a lot to talk about with Dr. Gene Nelson from Californians for Green Nuclear Power, reacting to the latest decision by the California Public Utilities Commission. Off we go. We've got California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with Time Saver Traffic and Weather Together. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Nelson and invite your phone calls. All that straight ahead on today's edition of Hometown Radio. I'm Dave Congleton. We appreciate you listening. Stick around. In fact, I started my morning off today with uh, Dr. Ramirez. I went in for my uh, cleaning with Britta. Yeah, you're in great hands with Dr. Ramirez. Just uh, If you're looking for a dentist, go see Dr. Kerry Ramirez. If you want to know about nuclear energy, go see Dr. Gene Nelson. Although he's here right now, so you can just listen to him. Californians for Green Nuclear Power on the text line. 
Offshore wind on the East Coast is projected to cost taxpayers approximately three times more than what nuclear power from Diablo costs, about $140 to $150 per megawatt hour. It will be at least that expensive ratio in California if offshore wind comes to the West Coast. Absolutely true. And the reason why is that the engineering that's required to actually have a successful and reliable wind turbine uh, is incredibly expensive, and a lot of it is still experimental. <clears throat> the proposed uh, wind turbines uh, off the coast of California, I understand, will be taller than the Statue of Liberty, um, and they'll be on, on uh, pontoons. About 17 miles away. We won't see that. Well, it's but it's the question of... How do you keep a piece of machinery like that working? It's a corrosive marine environment. Uh, I mean, everything wants to corrode. Um, and uh, and you got something spinning? Oh, gee, what a, what a recipe for Spinning wheel was a song. Okay. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the news that California energy officials have voted to extend the operation of the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant through 2030. Dr. Nelson is giving us his uh, reaction to that. Of course, this is not without controversy. Who is Digby McDonald? Um, he's a esteemed uh, a material scientist uh, at University of California at Berkeley. We should listen to him. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, apparently he's uh, spouting some stuff that is really way off of mainstream. Let me give you a quote. He uh, suggested that uh, Diablo Canyon poses an unreasonable risk to public health and safety due to serious indications of an unacceptable risk of embrittlement. Okay, sounds pretty scary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So... Um, what are we talking about there? Um, there is something called a reactor pressure vessel. It's the thing that gets uh, hot, and of course the fuel rods are inside of that, and you, you heat up distilled water and keep it under really high pressure, and you use that uh, heated, superheated steam to heat another set of uh, another loop of distilled water, and that's what turns the turbine. So it's called a pressurized water reactor. Um, and he's asserting that there's a risk of something called through-wall cracking from um, what happens to metals under a flux of neutrons. And the neutrons are produced naturally during a, uh, operation of a nuclear power reactor. And the thing is that uh, this was a big issue in the first pressurized water reactor, uh, which was called Yankee Row. It was a very small unit and really bizarre. I've looked at some drawings of this thing. It was above the ground, surrounded by a giant tank of water. Um, and that was supposed to provide neutron shielding to the outside world. Um, we now run, we have, pl we have a lot of operating experience and we have a lot better understanding of neutron embrittlement because the reason for shutting down Yankee Row was that they were the NRC. Remember, we talked about them before the break. Uh, was really concerned about the possibility of neutron embrittlement in that much smaller reactor. So they mm. they uh, they chose to shut it down. Craig, you have a question. You were mentioning that the uh, wind turbines were going to be the size of the Statue of Liberty. And I was wondering how many of them are going to need to be out there to replace the output that Diablo creates. Uh, well, uh, technically, I would say just to be really mathematically rigorous, an infinite number. 
because are we talking about dozens, hundreds, uh, thousands? I, I think they're putting they're they're planning on around a hundred uh, for the um, initial deployment. So initially, one hundred Statue of Liberties, yeah, off the coast of uh, uh, the, the coast, central coast. Yes, yes. Starting again, 100. 17, 17 miles out. You can't you can't see seventeen miles out. I don't know. Uh, Not me. It's it's really uh, such a dicey proposition. Uh, There's a number of concerns, but the big one that I have, um, and this one, uh, they're they're going to be putting in some trial-sized turbines, but where are they going to put them in? Well, they're going to put them in right off the coast of Vandenberg Space Force Base. Now, that doesn't sound terribly significant until you understand one of the missions uh, that uh, that Vandenberg has, and that is they they do mid course interception for for uh, missiles coming to the u s from places like North Korea, and so they have a, some really critical infrastructure for that uh, that important defense mission and you whenever you put in wind turbines, you essentially have to intentionally blind the radars the surveillance radars. Because the, uh, the the turning blades produce just absolutely crazy radar returns. If you want in on the conversation, Dr. Nelson, feel free to join us. Glad to read your text messages. Take your phone calls, 805-543-8830, as we talk about the future of Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant. Who's Daniel Hirsch? Um, he is a, a noted critic. He doesn't have... Uh, he was not trained as a scientist. I think he's like a political scientist. He's he's, he's retired uh, director of the program of environment and nuclear power uh, policy at UC Santa Cruz. Right, um, and uh, so he's been a prominent critic of of nuclear power, and uh, just he, he's he's good at. Uh, recruiting scary-sounding facts. Yeah, here's what he argues. Inside the aging Diablo Canyon reactors resides an astronomical quantity of radioactivity. It only stays inside if it's constantly cooled. Any disruption, earthquake, accident, etc., can cause a meltdown, releasing enough radioactivity to contaminate a substantial portion of California for generations. All right, so we're going to look at the concept of meltdown, um, and we're going to look at three real-world examples. Um, uh, the the first one uh, was uh, Three Mile Island, 1979. Yep, uh, it's a, it was a pressurized water reactor uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, and the health outcomes of that was nobody was sickened or killed by the radiation. The containment did its job and kept the public safe. Markup one for the nuclear power industry. Uh, incident number two, a few years later, 1986, Chernobyl. Here, this was a reactor that was designed to produce plutonium for uh, the Soviet weapons program. And, oh, by the way, it also made electricity. No containment. And some uh, uh, Soviet officials who didn't have the proper amount of training defeated safety systems and caused a massive uh, steam explosion uh, that in turn uh, caused the uh, rupture of the structure, the meager structure around the thing, uh, and a release of radiation into the environment. Um, the UN says uh, their estimate for people that were killed by this accident, which would never happen in the West, was around 100 people. 
uh, larger areas of uh, of the Ukraine where this uh, this took place are still excluded, but all they're doing really is they've got a wildlife preserve there. The animals are doing really great. Uh, then we go to number three, which was Fukushima Daiichi in 2011. Which, which is the one we always hear about. Right, right. Yeah. And, and there you got three reactors, not one reactor, but three reactors melted down. And there was some very dramatic footage of a chemical explosion that took place because they couldn't keep the things cool. But these were uh, the earlier generation called boiling water reactors. Um, and... They have containments. And guess what? The health outcomes were identical to the Three Mile Island experience, which was no persons were killed by the radiation from the plant from three meltdowns. Now, you had over 18,000 people die from the tsunami and the earthquake, and critics like to conflate. They talk, oh, look about all those people that died and try to create the impression in people who aren't listening carefully, oh, yeah, those were all caused by the, the Fukushima Daiichi. No, no. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's a very interesting study in propaganda to see how opponents of nuclear power have attempted to sound scientific, but in reality they're uh, really just spouting propaganda. And where has Newsom landed on this issue? Because well, he, he seems to be playing it both ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was head of the State Lands Commission that forced PG&E to shut down the plant um, or, or to announce plans to shut down the plant. So he was, he was leader of the opposition uh, in that 2016 um, uh, proceeding, which CGNP vigorously fought. All right, here's Lance in San Luis on KVEC. Hey, Lance. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Good, uh, always a great topic. Always love when the doctor's on. Um, you know, it, but my cynical side says Newsom put the pressure on, on the um, Energy Commission to get this done. So in 2028, when he runs, he can say, hey, I'm pro-nuclear. Look what I did. I kept the nuclear power plant open in California to avert any type of uh, light shutting down. But once he's elected in 2028, that plant's gone. Well, uh, that's certainly a, a possibility, but uh, the I, I don't think that Newsom, let's just imagine he becomes president of Newsom. Do you think it would really look good on his watch to have the lights go out in California? Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but, we, but by that time, California's in his rearview mirror, like San Francisco's in his rearview mirror when he was mayor. Yeah, but he'd, have to, re- he, he'd have to run for re-election. Well, but, but remember, though, he would be able to get all the greens because he could get the support of the progressives and the greens saying, look what he did for nuclear power. To me, if, if a progressive or a green person right now votes for uh, Newsom at any point, they have no integrity because he's supporting nuclear power. Well, uh, Lance, I think that there's been kind of a, a revolution, and really Diablo Canyon is, the, is an important demarcation point, and that is that there are eco-modernists out there, 
Uh, I consider myself to be a very staunch environmentalist, but I recognize that because nuclear power doesn't produce air or water pollution, it really has great environmental advantages that, for example, solar and wind don't because you have to burn incredible amounts of fossil fuel to make solar or wind work. And that particular piece of information is becoming more common knowledge. Well, I, I, I hope so. And I'm glad you pointed out that the one of the biggest uh, opponents to nuclear is the fossil fuel industry, because Absolutely. they know, like you said, if, if we went, you know, uh, we had three, four nuclear power plants of different sizes uh, per state. The, the uh, natural gas people would be would be screaming bloody murder and would be going out of business. Uh, they wouldn't be going out of business because you st there's still some you know when you look at power system design you need you need what's called an all of the above approach to produce power. So you you still are going to need natural gas. Um, but but nuclear is great for the loads that run twenty four seven, and those are those are loads. Those loads are huge in California. Lance, what do you think about wind power? Uh, wind power, it, it's it's great, but not offshore. And these huge, they're they're absolutely uh, money pits. We we've seen it over and over again throughout the throughout the world that they're just money pits. They because of the cost. Uh, of not only production but uh, construction are overrid, and there's nowhere near they can recoup the the companies cannot recoup uh, the money that they have to spend, and so then they have to rely on the government. Well, if you're subsidizing something like that, it's like hold on here, there's uh, something wrong with your uh, invention. Yeah. All right. Good to hear from you, Lance. Thanks for the call. Oh, well, here's something interesting on the text line. Anyone interested in wind turbine power and offshore turbines should look into the Netherlands, who have over 2,600 wind turbines, 462, which are located offshore, producing 17.9 billion kilowatts of power in 2021. Well, uh if we look at the performance, and I've, I've now had to to widen my um, knowledge base, and so I do do periodically look into what's going on in Europe. Um, there have been times when, under meteorological conditions, essentially all the wind turbines in Europe are off. That's not a good situation when you're dealing with a first-world economy that needs reliable 24-7 power. But look at all the energy apparently generated according to these stats. Well, you, sure, you generate power. Now, unfortunately, I've got to, I'm just, just going to simply say that uh, for the sake of our audience here um, – that there are key features that are lacking that keep your grid reliable when you're dealing with what are called inverter-based resources, which includes solar, wind, and batteries. They don't have the ability to keep the grid running stably, in particular when there's unexpected shorts in the system. And those are just a fact of life, that you have to be able to tolerate short shorts um, and and wind, solar, and batteries don't cut it. What did we learn from Germany and their their experience? Well, their their experience is they they have heavily promoted this idea, um, and of solar and wind, uh, and it's nonsense because it really was just a nothing more than greenwashing for huge amounts of Russian. I don't natural, know the term greenwashing. Well, what? 
What is greenwashing? That means making something that pollutes seem like it's not polluting. Um, And uh, in the case of Germany, they they used to rely on large amounts of both coal and natural gas. And the the natural gas came mostly from Gazprom. um, And um, I was just looking at one of Gazprom's old signs uh, for Nord Stream. Uh, That was the name for the one of the big p- pipelines from Gazprom from the, the uh, from the rush from Russia to Germany, and it said reliable power, reliable energy. Correction, reliable energy. Well, we've seen what happens when uh, that control of that energy is being utilized for geopolitical purposes. All right, we're in conversation, Dr. Gene Nelson from Californians for Green Nuclear Power, reacting to the recent vote by the California Public Utilities Commission extending Diablo Canyon. We've got more to talk about. This is KVEC. A reminder that tomorrow we will have our annual reading of Ho-Ho, the dog who saved Christmas. Susan Hoffman joins us after news at the top of the hour in our final uh, segment. Dr. Gene Nelson from California through Green Nuclear Power. If you want in on the conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830. On the text line from day one until today, what do you do with the waste of nuclear power for thousands of years? Well, we need to do what France does. Uh, that uh, we've only taken out five percent of the power uh, the first time it goes through the reactor, and so they uh, they reprocess it, they recycle it, and uh, they put it through the reactor again and reduce the the volume of the short-lived uh, materials. That then, uh, with a reduced volume, uh, you typically are going to end up with a deep geologic repository for the stuff that we can't find a commercial use for. But I, I like to think about uh, americium-241. That's one of the things that's in that so-called spent nuclear fuel. What is it? Uh, americium-241. It's the okay. magic ingredient that's inside of every smoke detector um, that allows that that electronic device to actually detect the smoke. I want you on my team if I ever play Trivial Pursuit again. Okay. <laughs> you make up for my deficit in science. All right. So uh, Californians for Green Nuclear Power Alive and Well. What becomes your focus between now and 2030? Um, Really, it's uh, like we said before, SSDD, uh, it's just going to continue. The opponents of nuclear power are mostly the big fossil fuel interests. Um, They successfully shut down San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station. Uh, and they're laughing all over the bank with all the increased sales of, of fossil fuel that continue until we get songs back online. And, and we expect to put, we'll be one of the groups advocating for putting in modern nuclear power plant uh, to replace uh, the old ones that were there. On the text line, Dr. Nelson is absolutely right. We should be reprocessing. It would result in one-seventh the volume and yield dozens of years of electricity. Uh, actually, the amount of material we have right now could probably run uh, the U.S. nuclear fleet, uh, the so-called spent nuclear fuel, for around a century. So, yeah, this, this is incredibly wasteful, and it was based on a, not, a failure to understand some, uh, f- some physics uh, and, again, fear-mongering. Um, they, uh, the, the opponents of nuclear power claim that, oh, you can make atomic bombs. 
uh, out of spent nuclear fuel. Well, well um, I'll just quickly cut to the chase and say the North Koreans tried that experiment in 2006, and they got exactly what the physics predicted, which is you get a dud. A side question with two minutes left. What's your take on our shift to electric cars? Uh, it would take just huge amounts of new nuclear power plants to actually produce uh, a grid. And, of course, the grid would have to be re-engineered um, to, uh, to actually allow uh, that electric transportation. I think it makes sense in certain areas. Uh, I remember I, I, for a while I lived uh, just north of New York City, and I was really happy when they took out the diesel-powered trains that were used for commuter trains and put in electric trains because the tunnels oh, used to just be, I mean, you were just coughing by the time you got to Grand Central. So there's places for electrically-powered transportation yeah, but as you know, back on Newsom, he wants all the gas-powered cars out of here by 2035. Uh, well, actually, what he said is no new sales. Right, of, but, but you of, know where I'm going. Oh, you're right. But but the thing is, that's just I just looked at that just a couple of days ago. And, and right now, I think we have about 2% of California's cars are electric vehicles. There's no way. When you look at the cost, it's just astronomical to replace and we don't have the infra charging infrastructure so it's it's uh you know it's it's nonsense but long term i see it as something that we should be aspiring for but only in the long term not not define the long term uh, we're talking because you have to allow for gradual change you know when you went from stanley steamers to uh, internal combustion engines, they didn't just suddenly, all the Stanley steamers didn't just go away. No, uh, those were coal-powered cars, by the way, um, um, vehicles. Um, they gradually uh, were replaced over uh, decades. And I think the same, th- same approach should be utilized for uh, electrification of transportation, electrification of buildings, and so forth. Dr. Gene Nelson, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much for coming in. Happy holidays. We'll talk again next year. Okay. Thanks, you, Dave. All right. Off we go. We've got news and traffic and weather. Susan Hoffman, our bibliophile, joins us next. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.